Welcome to the Next Level American Dream podcast, brought to you by Thompson Multifamily Group. Your hosts, Abigail and Sean, will discuss how you can take your American dream to the next level through real estate investing, business practices, and personal development. Join us as we share our experiences as a father-daughter duo who are trying to accomplish their goal of financial freedom. We hope you learn more about how to define and achieve your American dream. Here's another episode of Next Level American Dream. On today's episode of Next Level American Dream, we are joined by the big kahuna himself, Corey Peterson. Corey is the owner of Kahuna Investments and has managed and acquired over $95 million in real estate across the country. Our conversation will be on how he was able to develop a capital raise network and copy his way to success. Hi, Corey. How are you? Hi, Corey. I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. So we're just going to jump right in. You came from a really interesting background, and I'm kind of interested to see, like, really what led you to real estate from financial advising? You know, it's really, it's a crazy journey that I went on. I actually, before I became a financial advisor, I really wanted to do real estate. The problem was I just hit my first big hurdle that I didn't know how to get past, and so I had to find a job. And that was, I ran out of money. I ran out of money. You know, I put, I bought like four rental properties. I was doing some fix and flips. And then, you know, I had rental properties and I put a little bit of all my money in each uh, three rentals. And then I had no money and I had to quit my job. So I had no income and banks weren't going to lend me any money. And I quickly realized that I had to become, get something, you know, solid and I just stumbled upon being a financial advisor. I had a buddy that was a financial advisor. And he's like, hey, listen, you could do this and still do real estate on the side. And I'm like, that sounds great. And um, so I got into the financial services industry, which was pretty much the best thing that ever happened to me, even though the market crashed. So I, I started in 2005 or maybe 2004, five, six, by 07, the market crashed. So I I got into it, and then all of a sudden, one of the biggest drops in history happened. And what a horrible job to be in at the time. But the important thing is it taught me about money. And, you know, I I grew up poor. I didn't – I had some limiting beliefs about money. Like, if you have money, you're supposed to spend it all. And, you know, and so when I got trained as a financial advisor, it really helped turn on – my understanding of how people view money truly um, that are wealthy. I understood how the, how wealthy people treat money and therefore my mind became more powerful in understanding really how to talk the language of money as well. And really that, and, and because the market crashed, that's how I went into real estate full time. And I came out of the out, the, you know, the backside of that recession, not hurt by owning any properties except rentals and rentals came through fine, but, but I was really equipped to start my next journey, which was, you know, doing at the time I was doing single family fix and flips, but what really helped me was being able to raise private money. Okay, uh, tell us a little bit. I, you just mentioned a couple of times that you were doing the single family uh, rentals and fix and flips and things. 
What was your transition from single family to doing multifamily in apartments? How did that, how did that go? And then why uh, did apartments sort of appeal to you? Yeah. So when I was doing the single family fix and flip, you know, I got, I was raising money, but the problem was I started, it was getting harder and harder to find deals. So like 2009, 2010, by 2000, by the end of 2010, you know, how I was buying properties, which was short sales and REOs, there wasn't that many more left. They were starting to get weeded out. And so it was getting harder and harder to find deals. And truly, I hadn't learned what a lot of wholesalers do now, which is direct mail marketing and, and all this, you know, my only way was to find a deal was to get on the MLS and find deals and, and talk to real estate agents. Like that was my only way. And what, what I, and, but what I was really, what, what had happened too is I was raising, I think I had maybe about three or $4 million of capital on the street at the height of like 2011, a lot of money working. And that was, I learned that was the, like the real gift. It wasn't me doing single family deals. It was really my ability to raise money that was really important. And I was trying to solve for X, like an algebra equation. I had lots of money and I needed product to invest in to keep it working. That was how I was making money. And I was like, because I'm lazy, I'm truly a lazy investor. Okay, can I say that out loud? <laughs> I, what I, what I just thought was like, I drove up by an apartment complex. I can tell you that it's actually a, bad, a, a painful story, but the problem, I, I got so involved with fix and flip and doing every aspect of it. Like I was the parts runner from Lowe's. Like I never stopped to the point that it was ruining my family life. And, and this is really hard to talk about, but you would look at me from the outside and say, Corey was a super huge success, but inside my house was crumbling and was about ready to explode um, to the point where like my son's like, Hey dad, are you going to be at my, my uh, game, my soccer game? And I was like, yeah, no problem, son. But you know, internally I was like, man, I, I got four properties that I didn't look at. And so on Saturday morning, I'm like, well, I, I still got to go look at them. And so I devised a plan to wake up early and go. And the short story is I, I missed my son's game. I came at the very end and my son came off the field and he was crying and he's like dad you promised and i'm gonna tell you man it it broke me where i was like dude i've got the it was like even though the market was changing and things like that 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 wasn't enough to break me and make me change it was when my kid my son looked at me and 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 i was failing him as a father that it broke me uh, in all kinds of ways and i i remember i mean my son was like <laughs> like that that just heart-wrenching cry like I'd hurt him kind of like you promised dad and yet and I and still he wanted to jump in my truck and let me take him home and that was even worse because as we're driving home he's just <laughs> he's just trying to hold it in and, and dude I'm just I'm just I'm like oh my god what am I doing I drop him off I get home my wife looks at me she goes you got to you got to fix this and dude, I got in my car and I drove around aimlessly. And dude, I, I, I was beating myself up physically, just verbally. Corey, you're such an a-hole. Why would you put you know, money first and, and all this stuff first? And, and that's not who I was. And in that state, I finally found forgiveness. I actually, 
I asked God, I cried to God, man, to forgive me and asked for his forgiveness. And eventually I, I forgave myself. And in that calm state of mind, it happened. I drive by this apartment complex and I've driven by it a million times. And I normally would say, I wish I could own an apartment complex. But at that one moment I said, how can I own an apartment complex? And as soon as I said those words, my brain worked. It turned on and it said, oh my God, that's, that is the correct answer. And, and I did a U-turn. I, I drove to Barnes and Nobles. Now we would just get on our phones. But I went and bought some books on multifamily investing. I learned, I learned the business within, you know, six months. And within a short period of time, owned, started owning apartment complexes. And so that's how I really transitioned into apartment complexes out of sheer, I screwed up and I was screwing up my family. And it just so happened that I had, I found a place to put all my investors capital and, and work it really well. That's, yeah. That's an crazy, right? story. Yeah, yeah. It's a great story. I've heard you tell that story two or, two or three times and I still kind of get a little, you know, cause I'm a dad too. So. <laughs> oh man. You know, I, it really is one of those things that like, if you don't understand going th hurting your kids is one of the worst feelings yeah. I think a father could ever feel. And for me, it was so real. Right. So yeah, it, yeah, it, it really was a motivator. Yeah. That's, that's a great story. Thanks to Corey for sharing that day. You know, for me, it's, a, it was more of a strategic decision. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to be more efficient with my investing and things like that. And I, I don't, she's never barely been uh, that upset with me about what I do, but but uh, luckily she's working with me now. So that's, that's good. Well, that's a big testament of what you're doing right, brother. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about, uh, you talk about the private investors you had already sort of in your network. And then now you, you, uh, that's a big part of your business. Uh, so how do you go about sort of locating those investors and finding them and, and, and sort of finding the right person to be in, involved in, in what you're trying to do? Yeah. So this is really, uh, I've just pulled like, the one thing that I'm really good at is I'm not very good at inventing new stuff, but I'm really great at copying. And I mean, I'm a master copier. I can copy like the best of them. And really all I learned to do was copy what Edward Jones had taught me as a financial advisor. They taught me to go out to chambers of commerce to, you know, get into philanthropy thing, find it, find out something that you like to do, that you love to do, that you're passionate about and go volunteer. And because other business owners volunteer for stuff like that. In other words, go hang out where successful rich people hang out and do what they do. And so that's really the magic. That's what I did. And a lot of these and people are not in real estate. They're just not, they all want to be though. And so I give them the ability to vicariously live it through me because most of these people are successful business owners or doctors, dentists, lawyers, chiropractors, busy people. And what I like to say is they have, they're busy people with dumb money. And, and what I, when I, when I say dumb money, what I, I mean is money that's in the stock market because like recently, just look what just happened, right? We're going through this COVID-19 crisis and the market um, is taking a, a poop yeah. and then, you know, everybody's 401ks are, are almost like 201ks again. And there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. And you know, what, what do the investors have to say about it? They're like, well, it's the market. 
yet I'm working really hard to make sure that we're being able to pay our investors or we'll weather through it, right? There's a real person that has responsibilities. And I think that's what a lot of investors are looking for is really an, an alternative to the stock market. And I think that's what we create. Right. It's more, I like to tell people it's, it's just a more tangible method of investing your money. It's, it's, it's you're, you're much more closer to the source. And with the stock market, you're just so distant from any sort of input or, or influence. It's, you know, it's amazing how far away you are. So. Yeah. And I, I think I'm, what investors want more than anything, well, the one thing I learned about like it, when I was finance advisors is what people are normally expecting as far as returns. Like your average, every you know, investor that's in the stock market, their financial advisors are telling them six to 8% is a solid return. Like that's the language. And so if we can do better than that, we get to win. We can, we can, we, when I compete against the stock market, I win 90% of the time, I would say, right? At least right. for some of their money. I don't get it all. And honestly, I don't want it all. I want to create a relationship. I want my investors to understand that it really is about a relationship and doing what you say you're going to do and then and letting them over some time figure it out. But then they eventually give me a lot more of their money, right? So it's a slow play. But eventually what happens is your investors, you know, 12% is a solid return for a lot of investors. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be, whereas, as I call this smart money, Smart money is like all your guys that know they got money and they are going to want the maximum return. These, and they're usually people that are not in the stock market, right? These are savvy, savvy investors. Well, listen, sometimes they have lots of money, but there's a cost to that money. And so that's a pool you can fish in, but I've decided to like never go to that pond. I hate that pond. It's toxic if you ask me. I go to my other pond of just the average ordinary people that have money and wealth, but like they're in the stock market. I can fish there with my lure and I can catch big fish all day long. But if I go to that other pond, all that savvy investors, they look at me and they're like, dude, your bait sucks. And cause they want 20, 25% returns. And which is so hard to hit, so hard to hit. And I think that's just, you're setting yourself up for failure. And for me as, a, as a, an investor, as the one putting it together, it limits my profitability to where I'm just making little margins. And that's not what I wanted. That's not the lifestyle that I wanted to create. I want to create where I can make my investors a really good money and make myself some really good money. So I tend to fish where the best fish are, in my opinion. Well, and I think uh, also that makes for a more solid business too. You've got uh, more security for everybody involved. If, if you're giving a great return, not, not a phenomenal return, but a great return, it just makes for a much more solid business every time you do a project. And right? it's consistency. Consistent, right. Safe so th and consistent. That was what I meant to say earlier is that one of the things that I found that investors want more than ever is consistency. Consistency in communication is doing what you say you're going to do. Consistency in your reporting and consistency in their return. And they're willing to take less if they can get consistency. And, and like, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a relative word, right? Cause I never say my investments are safe, but I say, you know, compared to what, right? Like is right. the stock market safe? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we, you know, but 
does everybody just leave your apartment on one, you know, do they all get together and say, hey, let's leave today? Doesn't happen, right? And, but like, because if you have 100 doors in one spot, you, you know, if 10 people leave one month, so what? That's 10%. I'm still getting 90% of my payments. So I think that's the other part of like, the reason I love apartments is that scale of economy. Right. Well, tell us a little bit about what, what it is that private capital does for you and your business and, and, and what, why you need private capital to, to operate an apartment building. Yeah. Great question. Because private capital, so out of all the things that I've done in this world, there's only a couple things I'm really, really super proud of. And this is one of those moments is if I looked at some of the investors that started at the same time I did, the reason my net worth has a lot more zeros in it is because I learned one skill that they chose not to learn. And that is the ability to raise private money. And I started off, you know, just trying to get friends and family. And that's all I've ever done is trying to get more friends and more family, you know, get referrals from friends. And that's how I've just kind of snowballed my relationship with money. But what that money does is allow you to invest in way bigger projects. So like used to, when I first started out, my uh, first raise was $1.4 million. Well, that's a lot of money, but maybe not, right? So that's 14 people with $100,000. Okay, that, that when you look at it that way, that's not super crazy or super like, oh God, because there's lots of people with $100,000 everywhere that are looking for people like me that could have a track record and, and have some kind of system that they can, you know, trust in. And so, but, but that was a, you know, a $3.2 million deal. And now we're doing deals where we'll raise six to $7 million, you know? And so say, but it's the same concept. Now we're just doing way bigger deals. And actually the bigger deals are actually more safer if we can say the word safe because it's a bigger scale of economy and and really that's that's i think the engine of the apartment game is you can leverage capital because we use it not only when i say private money what i'm what that money's funding is we're usually going to get a bank loan for as much ltv loan to value as possible so in other words if we can get 80 percent leverage from a bank that's what we're going to do because that's the cheapest money out there. And then we're going to say, okay, well, if we need 20% down, we need, you know, a million dollars of capital improvement monies. We need some monies to pay all the closing costs. We'll total all that money up. And that's the amount of money that we'll raise from investors and using a kind of a, a calculator to you know, make all the numbers work. We'll understand what we have to buy a property for, to make all our numbers uh, in line. In other words, we have our deal structure and then you make the deal conform to your structure. And when you do that and you get a, an acceptable deal, you know you've kind of uh, counted on all these other little things to happen. And that's, that's so, but that's what, that's what private money does for me is it's allowed me to live a life that I, I could never dreamed of if I didn't do it the way I did it. And it's allowed me to have a net worth that's pretty amazing. So the private capital is, I don't know, I guess to simplify it would be the, the private investors will cover any capital expenditures that are above and beyond what a, you know, a traditional debt 
company would bank or, you know, the, the Fannie Freddie sort of secured lender uh, would fund, uh, the private capital takes care of that for you. And, and they become a part of the a part, sort of a part of the structure, the, the, the partnership structure of the, of the property and they gain a return from all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, your bank gives you the bank loan and then all the rest is private capital. And then you just got to have, you say like, you know, for us, we pay a 6% pref. So we put that 6% pref in our calculator and then it, it, it will say, okay, this is how much, this is what this deal has got to, to do to be able to pay the bank payment and then also pay your capital to your investors. And so it just becomes math. And like, you know, that's the, the one thing I love about multifamily and commercial projects is that it's all based on math. It's all based on numbers. You don't have to get emotional about a deal. You don't have to get emotional about anything. You just buy based on the numbers. The numbers work, you do the deal. If the numbers don't work, you don't do a deal or you negotiate to get them to be acceptable. Right. So once you, uh, once you have an investor, what is sort of the process that, that you take them through from, uh, I guess, introduction to, to finally investing? Is there, is there, you have a system for that? Yeah. And, and just let me put out, whenever you're raising capital, seek professional advice from a security and a securities lawyer in what that process looks, should look like. Because anytime you pull two people together and, uh, for, and they're going to passively invest, you're creating a securities. And so we are regulated by that industry. And so there's, you got to have, we do what's called 506B offerings, where we need to have a pre-existing substantive relationship with our, our investors. Pre-existing means before a deal. A substantive relationship means that we've asked them financial questions. We understand their financial well-being. And then we're kind of making a, a, a determination of whether they're suitable for our investment. And so that is kind of what we do. And so we have a process for that to where people, and we don't, and you cannot advertise. So we don't advertise deals. Now we give away education. I, I write books and things like that. Lots of ways for people to get to know me. But when it comes to investors, we have a complete process to, you know, create a relationship, to further that relationship along for them to set one-on-one -on -one conversations so we can, have financial discussions about their, their, you know, who they are, what they're doing. And then we can determine whether or not we want to go forward. And really that is the job is to get as many people to put up their hands and sit and, and go through that process. And then we create what we call as an active investor waiting to invest. So once we have them pulled up, then on our next deal, then we can invite them to look at our deal. But until they've done that process, they can't look at anything. Yeah. And it makes it sort of an intimate process too, because, you know, like you were saying earlier, the stock market, you just, you know, you go on an E-Trade account or whatever, and you buy a piece of paper and hope that it goes up, you know, with a, a syndication or, a, or the process that you're talking about, everybody essentially talks to you, the guy who's in charge of, of making sure that their capital is preserved and, and they get a good return. And so it's a very, it's a very high touch uh, type of investment, I would think for someone that's, that's on the private equity side. They it really, really is. Get, they really get to see uh, and get to know uh, where their money is being, being leveraged or being utilized, right? I think that's the beauty of this business, right? When done right, because right, people, um, I mean, people want to set it and forget it in a way, but they want to be informed of what's going on. 
And if they feel like they can have that direct access or touch, because like, let's look at, if you look at it from the other perspective of someone that's in the stock market, they, they sit across their broker and the broker shows them this growth fund of America uh, mutual fund or whatever it is, right? And they say, you should invest this based on its history. And so they say, yeah, and they give them $100,000. Well, where does that $100,000 go, right? How many people does it like go to till eventually there's one guy that finally says, I want to buy and invest something with this money, all this money. Um, and who is that? No one knows, by the way. And you'll never know because that's how they do it, right? And, and so the broker that you actually thought you're giving your money to, he has no control. He's, I mean, you could call him. He's like, well, I don't know. It's the market. Where the difference of what you just said is if someone had a question, they call me. I, I'm the guy making the shots, calling the shots. And I think people really like that direct access. Yeah, you're the guy actually acquiring and operating the assets themselves. You know, that's that's a that's such a direct, direct, direct. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the other side of this too. So, if I'm a private investor, Corey, how do I go about finding a, a syndicator like yourself that that I can trust or that I can get involved with? What are some of the criteria that you think? someone that has money to invest that they should sort of ask themselves and ask the people they're dealing with? Oh man, that's a great question, man. you got to understand their track record. You, you know, if someone like track record means a lot and you just really got, to, and the best way to get that information is from their investors. You need to ask. So where to go find people? I mean, obviously there's lots of multifamily groups, you know, bigger pockets. There's lots of different places to find multifamily people that are that are out there syndicating but that's a scary pond so then you've got to do your due diligence in finding good operators and how you're going to do that is you need to listen to what these people are saying if they're talking about how good everything is and they're not being in my opinion real and honest and open boy i, I would want to know more right i would want to hear from their uh, previous investors you know good bad and the ugly and, and, and if they don't offer that type of, you know, contact, then I'd be suspect, right? Because like, I know that's what we do. We're like, Hey, listen, don't trust me. Call three investors. Here's one that's been over with me a long time. Here's one that's been with me for a little bit of time. And here's a brand new one, right? Call them all three, ask them what they, how they felt. I think that's important to give that new person too, right? The guy that just came on because he'll be the most fresh in his mind of what just happened and how he felt about it. And then honestly, the, the one that's the long-term investor that's been with you for the longest, if you know, that's great perspective. And then mm -hmm. I even try to help them with questions to ask. Ask them if we've paid our payments. Ask them if we've missed any. Because on, on one we did, right? And you know, and I said, like, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty damn good, right? But like, you know the business is not perfect, right? People like, like right now, COVID-19, like next month is going to be really tough for, for my business, for my student housing projects because colleges are closed and, but parents are still paying. So, you know, I think we're going to get most of our rents, but I don't know. And so we've suspended all payments to investors for the next, you know, 60 days. And that's just going to be real. And I, I always say there's not like good news or bad news. It's just the news. I think that's what you're looking for is someone just to communicate to you straight. <clears throat> In my opinion, that's, that's probably the best thing that you can 
try to look for is someone that will just tell you how it is with no, you know, sprinkle, sprinkle fairy dust, you know, just give it to yeah, me. Exactly. Well, in the reality, the picture, the, the realistic picture should be good enough if they're, they're a good operator anyway. Right. So it, you don't have to, you don't have to, like you said, sprinkle any pixie dust on your, on your deals. If you're just operating a good business anyway. Yeah. But there's still hiccups. Like, I mean, I had my first, my, my second deal that I ever did was not, didn't go well. I was able to give my investors back their money, but it was really, it was my second, my first, it went so well that I thought I was invincible. Right. So the second deal that I did was a little smaller than it should have been. And it was close to home, but I, I hired a regional management company out of Georgia for a property that I owned in Tucson, Arizona. And what I found was that distance barrier was too much. And then I made the second mistake because I was like, well, I fired them, but then I hired myself. I was like, I'm going to self-manage this one. That was a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually I found the right management company. But by then it was almost a year and a half, two years into the deal. And my investors were, were just done. And so I, we, we got it back up to where we could sell it and at least kind of break even. And here's what's scary is hindsight. Man, if I would have kept that property, we would be so golden. Because I bought it in 2011. There's no way I could have screwed that deal up. But, but we let it go, you know, and we sold it. And it cost me like $150,000 to make my investors whole. And so it's a pain story. But honestly, I think I'm proud to tell that story because, because of that, I've become so much better of an operator. Right. You see those things coming a little further yeah. away now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another good question is how long have you been doing the business? Yeah, that's great. So our final question, and you kind of touched on this as we went throughout our conversation, but our theme is to take the American dream to the next level. So really my question is, what does that American dream really mean to you? And then how are you putting that into your business and into your life? Uh, great question, Abby. Abby, I believe that we can do anything we put our mind to. For me, this business has changed my life in ways that I, I honestly, I never thought possible. I got into this business, as I said, in the very first part of this thing for two reasons, for time and money. I had a great mentor, even though he never taught me the business, but he gave me the perfect vision. His name was Bruce. And, and, and when I was like eight, almost 19 years ago, how I came up with Kahuna Investments is the name of my company, is I went to Hawaii and my mom was married to this guy named Bruce. And at the time, he was the richest man that I knew. And he had a home right on the beach in Hawaii. And you could just tell he had a different lifestyle. It was way laid back. He had time and he had money and no one, and his phone wasn't ringing. And I, I, and like, I remember it so vividly that I was like, dude, this guy's the big kahuna. And so I asked him what he did, and he said he was in real estate and he owned apartments. And so, and, and he, now I'm on the flip side of that, of I'm in real estate and I own apartments. And I truly am trying to live out that vision of being able to, honestly, you know, I bought, a, I got a, a Jeep um, Wrangler, you know, like, but it's, it's nasty, right? It can do like, I go out and travel with it, go to some, and I go exploring with my wife. Um, I great, take great vacations with my kids. I am, I've put my life first. I put my business on top of it. 
And the business has to fit in the cracks, Abby. And the wonderful thing about this apartment business is when you do it right, it can absolutely fit in the cracks. And the cracks don't have to be big. It can, you know, because like the business is set up to where you can have property managers manage your properties. You can have an asset manager manage that. And to where then you only have to manage the asset manager. So you don't have to work extremely, extremely hard. There's no, nothing's fast paced. Rent's kind of due every month. And then all the operations that happen are, are managed by someone else. And then all I have to do is provide direction. So it does allow you to have what the American dream, man. I'm living right now the American dream. I never thought it would be this good. But I can tell you something for reals is that it is the coolest thing ever to happen to a guy that barely made it out of high school. <laughs> yeah, you are truly an inspiration. I, I, I know your story pretty well at this point. You know, you and I are in a couple masterminds together. And actually, I'm in your mastermind. And uh, I've heard your story a ton of times. And it, and it is, it, it drives me every day to know that you, you, you've come as far as you have. And it's possible for someone like me, too. We have pretty similar stories, I think. So I, you know, I, I love, I love uh, that you, I think you are living the, the, the American dream for sure. So without a doubt, man, like, I, listen, and I chose to, like, that was, people are like, cause I listen to other syndicators and I'm like, they're like, I'm busy, 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 busy. And I'm like, gosh, damn, like, why, <laughs> why did you build your thing to make you run around with your head cut off? Cause you don't have to, cause I'm living proof. Like I built my business to create my legacy wealth and my lifestyle. And if you, when you put a little thought behind it and say, this is what I want to do. Um, and here's how I want to do it, dude, there's nothing that I found that could get there, that you get there faster. Cause think about this. If you were to buy an apartment, just one apartment, you spend all year looking to find one apartment deal. And that's all you ever did. And you did it five years in a row. So all you bought was one apartment five years in a row. You would become a multi-multi-millionaire and have cash flow flowing out your wazoo and do life would be great. I mean, way differently because you'd have passive income showing up whether or not you did anything. And just so you understand it, cash flow is sexy. <laughs> cash flow is, it makes you smile from ear to ear. Because it is the most, it's the one thing that I think it's that passive money and it's the real game. And, and we've not even hit on taxes, right? But if I was to tell you the other, like the three things I love about real estate and multifamily investing, one, it's time, two, it's money. And three is I get more money because I don't have to pay taxes. Because when you're a real estate professional and you hold real estate, Uncle Sam allows you to have depreciation. And with the new tax laws that are currently on the books, you can um, deduct a crap ton of money to where you probably don't have to pay taxes. And so Corey didn't pay taxes last year. And I, I don't plan on paying them for a while. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Well, Leon, we should talk about your... So if you haven't already, find this book. We'll put links down below uh, in the comments and stuff. This is Corey's uh, latest book. It's a great book. Tells us about his story and, and more Copy about Copy Your Way Corey. to Success, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Yeah. It's available. We just launched the audio book. So it's on audible.com. Oh, wow. uh, you can download it on uh, 
iTunes, uh, the book thing where you can get the Audible there as well. Now, and I, and I actually, what's it called? I, I said every word. <laughs> I narr <coughs> I narrated it. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, one of the coolest things I've ever done is actually narrate that book. And, and there's, when I'm telling about some of that, that pain story that I kind of alluded to earlier, when I'm reading the pages and cause like when I wrote the book, I got really descriptive in the pain of explaining how I felt and to verbally have to say those words was probably some of the hardest things that I've had to do without just absolutely becoming a hot mess. So, but you'll feel it in that audible. It, you actually, it will make you, I hopefully it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry and it will inspire you to be the best you possible because this business is amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks Corey. Well, tell us uh, where should our, our uh, listeners go to, to sort of learn more about what you have going on? Yeah, really. There's just two ways, two ways. One, you know, we run a podcast as well called the multifamily legacy podcast. We teach what we know. Then the other one is just go to kahunawealthbuilders.com and we have a free quick start workshop series you can download for free and uh, we'd love to give that to you. Yeah, we'll be sure and put all that stuff in, in the notes, the show notes and stuff too. So, Awesome, awesome. Well, Corey, thank you so much for joining us today. This is fantastic. Abby, guys, Sean, thank you so much for having me. I'm so proud of you guys. I've watched your journey. You guys are out there killing it. I just, I see so much success in, in your guys' future. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Thanks so much, Corey. We appreciate it. We really appreciate you being on the show too. Rock on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Next Level American Dream. If you would like to learn more about what we talked about today, want to contact the team directly, or are interested in passively investing and being a part of our deal room, head over to our website at www.thompsonmultifamilygroup.com. Before you go, please leave a review. Your comments help us create more episodes for you to enjoy.